giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Chad Pytel, and with me today is Anna Spearman, the founder of Techie Staffing, which connects high-quality technology talent with high-caliber clients. Anna, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you so much for inviting me, Chad. In theory, at the surface level, techie staffing is probably fairly straightforward in terms of what you do, but I'm curious how you got started. Yes, of course. So I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's been two years. You know, two years ago, I was during that time attending the University of Virginia, where I was majoring in computer science with a minor in entrepreneurship. And in the spring of 2020, I was planning on coming back home. To I was born and raised in Los Angeles, and I was planning to come back home for spring break. And I was finishing out my second semester of senior year. Mm -hmm. So I was planning my victory lap, basically, of going back home, taking a little bit of a rest time and then coming back to UVA to, you know, finish my degree, graduate, you know, and, and move on to a new job in Los Angeles. But unfortunately, you know, as I as my plane was landing in Los Angeles, we kept hearing about COVID. And so that pandemic hit in the middle of my spring break. And during that time, like I had to finish my second semester senior year remote. It was very stressful. But when I finished the degree, I was so fulfilled. But unfortunately, there was a rapid dwindling of entry level tech and product roles. I initially either wanted to be a software engineer or a product manager or be a software engineer that transitioned into a technical product manager. But unfortunately, you know, once the pandemic hit, companies weren't willing to ramp up entry level talent, you know, it was people companies didn't really know what was going to happen in the future. And everybody was remote. So it was just a really confusing time. Uh, but I, while I was searching through different job boards, trying to find new opportunities, especially entry-level opportunities, I found just a wealth of senior tech jobs, specifically with companies that were thriving due to the pandemic. During that time, companies like Peloton, Discord, Zoom, they were all soaring, you know, due to the pandemic. So, you know, I had heard about contingent recruiting in the past. My biggest dream for a new opportunity for myself graduating out of college was just to learn something new every day because I've always had a very much an interdisciplinary background. I've never been able to stay in one area. I've always loved to try different things. So with a little bit of a background recruiting at a past summer internship, as well as wanting to utilize my entrepreneurship minor, I'm actually a fourth generation woman entrepreneur. So definitely I'm growing up creating my own business was my dream. So I really, that was my main goal. I thought I was going to transition from a current role into a uh, entrepreneurship, but you know, I had my back against the wall. So I just thought, why not start now? So I created Techie Staffing, a technology staffing agency specializing in direct hire placements nationwide. Um, so after I decided that I basically I had my virtual graduation and I took a week and then I got started creating the website, establishing the business paperwork, as well as developing strategic partnerships with senior technical recruiters that had full candidate pipelines to fill incoming uh, job requisitions. And I basically started off with nothing. I had no contacts, no really network, just, you know, nothing at all. And I was really starting just fresh. So I really had to really spend a lot of time networking and developing relationships as well as just 
learning and mastering full life cycle recruiting, especially with engineering, since there is such a supply and demand issue for software engineers. So you're just consistently, you know, following up and, and contacting people that could potentially be interested in your companies. But it really blew up, you know, as I was establishing everything in 2020 from summer to the end of 2020, it was 2021 when it really blew up where I contacted this founder during the time they had raised a series B 50 million, um, which Mm -hmm. was amazing, you know, and they were going through a hiring sprint. So we got connected fairly quickly and with just great team synergy, we were actually able to place five people in one month and it was front end, back end and full stack developers. Uh, So that really jumpstarted techie staffing. And then after that, you know, we worked with, we're now working with fortune 500 companies as well as high growth startups and really building a diversified portfolio. And we're also, we are certified woman owned business, which I'm so proud of, you know, because I know there's just aren't really, there aren't really a lot of women or even just, yeah, women of color (laughs) that are founders. So I'm just, I was really happy to get, that certification, really proud of that as well. So it's been, I always say like all the time to everybody, it's super stressful, but it's so rewarding at the same time. And I do believe that it's honestly, you know, I know the pandemic has been super hard, you know, on people and it's been such a change and such a shift, but there is still a part of me that is so grateful for making that pivot because I really found something that I feel like I really enjoy doing every day. That's great. I really commend you on everything you've done so far. And and I'm excited about what you're going to do in the future. You now have grown where you're you're multiple people on your team. Yeah. So we actually hired uh, two new people fairly uh, recently. I I, I did have one direct hire recruiter working with me. So now it's officially a team of four. I did develop the strategic part. I do still have some strategic partnerships as well, because on that part, At first, I was partnering with recruiters that were independent, you know, so who were Mm -hmm. a little bit more entrepreneurial so that we could split the placement fee. But, you know, it's still better to just have full time employees. So I'm so excited to have two new additional hires and it's still new for me. So I'm really looking forward to growing together in terms of growing techie staffing and growing them into being a full life cycle recruiter, because it wasn't that long ago when I was in that same exact spot. And it's so amazing. It still blows my mind to this day how, you know, two years ago, thinking about interviewing candidates or selling to clients. And now like what I've evolved in, it's been absolutely amazing. So I'm so happy to see their journey and seeing them transition into being uh, technical recruiters and also making a pivot in their career as well, which is now still, that's still blowing my mind a little bit. I'm sure, you know, like working at, uh, or yeah, founding ThoughtBot and really building that from the ground up. So it's just amazing seeing that infrastructure. It just really brings a brighter future as well. So what kind of people do you look for when you, when you're looking to add to your team? Are you, are you bringing on people who have experience with recruiting or are you, are you bringing on people who are transitioning into it? So I would say for Q1 and Q2 of 2022, and even a little bit beforehand, since there was a surge in demand for everything and tech companies were just scaling like crazy, 
there was very much a competitive market for recruiters, specifically technical recruiters, because that's what mm -hmm. companies were really looking for to scale their engineering and product teams. So it's it was very, very competitive to recruit for a technical recruiter. So now you see agencies now who are uh, hiring people who can have the DNA for a technical recruiter, but not necessarily have direct experience, which I think can be really, really cool. Because like I said, like two years ago, I knew absolutely nothing. And now I feel very much confident in the full life cycle. So I think that's really cool to have people be able to pivot into a really cool industry where you're really learning something new every day and you're speaking to really interesting people. Uh, we specialize in senior up until C-suite. So, so yeah, learning from people who are senior all the way up to director, VP. So it's, it's really interesting. So when I was approaching hiring, I really wanted to find someone who had that DNA of that could potentially transition of being a technical recruiter. And that DNA would be, you know, it doesn't have to be personality, but, you know, just really interacting with engineers, just maybe yeah, being a self-starter, I would say great communication. And lastly, I would say just really hungry. Yes, that's, that's, I would say hungry. Mm -hmm. um, because if you're really hungry, and you're really willing to learn and be open, so openness as well, then you can really understand the rules or, or just the life cycle and the process of being a recruiter. And then you can change people's lives. I actually had one, it was about a year ago, I was working with a, a Fortune 500 company and I uh, recruited this guy and I'll, I uh, led him through the process. And it was about maybe a month later where he told me how he, I had basically changed his life, you know, how his fam, him and his family were now, they, uh, they were moving to Atlanta and it was a new role and it was just a fresh start. And he was just telling me how appreciative he was of me. And so that really hit home. So I think, you know, for those two new hires, I'm so excited to have them, you know, get super engaged and, and be able to change people's lives as well, you know, under the techie staffing name, of course. <laughs> yeah. You, you mentioned early on that you're contingent recruiting. So Correct me if I'm wrong, but that means that you get paid when you place somebody, when someone gets hired. Yes. From the company that hires them. And so, but then you also mentioned that you, these people who you're bringing onto your team are, are full time. So, how does the compensation structure typically work for them? Uh, compensation, we do, we have them on salary, but we they do have commissions. So, we wanted to really give, like I said, I want us to grow together. So I do provide commission for each placement, you know, they, they'll place just to really provide incentive. So like I said, it's so early. I want us to think of each other just as teammates and, and a team because we're all like building towards the same goal. Uh, so just really wanted to provide incentives where they're really feeling like they're almost owning it, you know, full life cycle mm -hmm. as well, you know, cause like I said, it's early and these can be really strong pillars in the, in the future. So there is salary, but there's also that commission as well to just really provide that incentive. And I know for me personally, you know, I just incentive can, can be awesome. So, uh, definitely trying to provide that motivation and having them really feel like they're an integral part. Yeah. What's the harder part of your business or, or are they equally hard finding new clients versus finding people who want to work with you on the candidate side? On the business development side, I would say it was harder perhaps in the beginning because I just so was starting with 
with nothing really. You know, I had just graduated from college. So I really, and a lot of agency owners, they previously have maybe worked at a really cool tech startup, or maybe they've been working on their agencies for the past five or 10 years. They have previous years of experience, but I didn't have that. So I had to convey another method of just really networking, really meeting people and just really knowing my stuff, you know, and, and, and having a handle on it. Like, I know maybe a lot of people say like, just fake it until you make it. Cause then once you make it and then you get that experience, then you can transfer that experience to new experiences as well. So at first it was really just building myself up and, and building the tech and staffing brand so that we could acquire those clients in terms of the candidate side. I would say techie staffing, one of the things that and a part of our brand that we love to portray is that we are the agency that has the companies with the best employer branding. Because like I said, with the supply and demand issue for these software engineers, it is so competitive, you know, to attract them to new opportunities. You know, there's just so many companies Mm -hmm. that are contacting them multiple times a day. So there has to be at least a little bit of a shine or a little bit of a, a differentiator uh, for companies that you're recruiting for. So we really seek, we actually specialize in, in companies that are series B and above that do have that established employer branding where engineers are really interested in, in joining that company, you know? So mm-hmm. that's just the thing is like really having companies that have strong employer branding and being able to follow up. Follow-ups are really really important when it comes to, you know, engaging engineers. Cause like I said, it's just a super competitive market, you know, and just trying to provide them a great white glove experience. You know, if there are some agencies that fall a little bit too close to the client side where the client is always right. Remember there's some that fall too much to the candidate side where the candidate is right, but we really want to be a balanced middleman where we're just trying to find the um, compromise and find the best solution for everybody, you know? Um, so that's the real important part of it, of just really providing them with the great experience and showing them that we care and that we're rooting for them. Cause it, it sometimes does surprise me when people, when candidates can be a little, it's, maybe this is a part of me being new, but that's kind of an advantage too, because I'm so paying attention to detail. Like that's where my computer science major comes in. It's mm-hmm. like constantly trying to stay in tune with candidates and what they need. Um, so just trying to provide a great experience in general. And, um, and I'm sure you feel that way, like with your clients. I mean, as a, you know, your consultancy as well, we are trying to be B2B and contact these different companies. So how do you conduct business development and really differentiate yourself? We have focused a lot on reputation building. So blogging, creating open source so that we don't need, fortunately, to to cold contact people. And, and, and when we do, we're fortunate enough that they might already know about us. And so it's an easier conversation to have because they may already be reading our blog or they may already be using some of our open source in their, in their product. And so it becomes an easier conversation to have. But the majority of our clients actually come to us when they have a need because we're fortunate enough to have work to be at the top of the list. Definitely. Yeah. And so, and I'm still doing that. It's just reputation building. Like with one of our fortune 500s, we're doing incredibly well with them to the point where like we're, we're filling their pipelines, you know, and, and we have majority of our candidates in their pipeline. So that's what we're really working on right now is just consistently. And I know like with any business, you have to just constantly 
build that reputation, you know? So that's what I just, I especially just try to provide a great experience for candidates because they can also be hiring managers as well. So mm-hmm. uh, just really providing that white glove experience. And also a cool differentiator we always like to showcase is like, you know, I'm a computer science major and actually the two people that I just hired, they have a tech back background. So it's not like tech is entirely foreign to us. We've engaged with programming languages. We've coded projects. You know, so we do have some form of understanding when it comes to certain technologies or certain projects that certain engineers are working on. And that's why it really gets me excited to speak with engineers because it's so cool and interesting hearing about them working on their projects and working on projects that directly affect me, you know, and the, the products that I'm interacting with. So it's so cool to hear about their I can like understand a bit. And so that's why that's another thing with tech and staffing is like really finding people who have a bit of a tech background. So at least they have a little bit of knowledge or an understanding of what projects and can be able to really share and convey that to, um, mm-hmm. to clients that are looking for these talent. You mentioned it's a really competitive market now. And as a company who probably has multiple clients, how do you minimize or, or how do you deal with the potential competition for the limited supply among your own clients? Among my own clients. So I'll say that right now we don't have for the roles that we're working on for each client, they're not very similar. So mm-hmm. they're, they're too, too similar, which is a good thing. I mean, we would like it in, in the future where, you know, we could have the same role, but we can understand how that can be a little tricky as well. And how do they differ then? Are they differing by the technology experience that they're looking for or the sort of level of the role? How are they different? It could be, so technology, the difference of the role. So for example, for a Fortune 500 company that we're working with, we'll work more with UX, data science, mm-hmm. data science roles, as well as, so yeah, yeah with UX, data science. And then for high growth startups, mostly with them, they're really looking for back-end engineers, but overall just engineering. So front-end, back-end, DevOps. Um, we, we are working, you know, potentially to do engineer or more engineering heavy for our Fortune 500 companies. We actually did, we're, uh, we're recently been working on a VP of engineering. Um, so for Fortune 500, for now, we've been working more with uh, leadership roles, especially, and Mm -hmm. for high growth, it's been more engineering IC, but we would like to transition that in the future to have it kind of, or have roles that maybe, you know, some candidates could go to this company and some candidates can go to that startup. And then another differentiator could be, or what makes um, our clientele like different from each other is for high growth startups, they, especially for engineering ICs, they're really looking for candidates that come from high growth startups who just mm-hmm. understand that um, the current company, you know, where they are and how they're right. scaling like just during that period of time, you know, around that series B and series C, that's the time to really scale. And, you know, fortune 500 companies, they can be open to startups, but they, for the most part, especially sometimes for leaders who have who need to have a certain amount of direct reports, they're more looking for people from larger companies. So yeah. that would be one way to kind of separate it. And so where candidates, we're not having candidates kind of almost be 
uh, where they have to compete with candidates within our own home company because with the difference in the, the leveling of, of companies, there's just a difference in, in what kind of candidates that they're looking for. Yeah. Are your engineers spending too much time on DevOps and maintenance issues when you need them on new features? We know maintaining your own servers can be costly and that it's easy for spending creep to sneak in when your team isn't looking. By delegating server management, maintenance, and security to ThoughtBot and our network of service partners, you can get 24 by 7 support from our team of experts, all for less than the cost of one in-house engineer. Save time and money with our DevOps and maintenance service. Find out more at tbot.io slash DevOps. When I was first starting ThoughtBot, I, I really felt like I needed to take every client that we could get because mm-hmm. we were just starting out. I had people, you know, we, we needed to make money. We needed to get build a reputation. And so I, I felt like we needed to say yes to every client. Over the years, I learned that that was actually watering us down. It made us less successful. And the more we were clear about who we were and what we did and what clients we were best for, the more successful we were. Have you gotten to the point where you've needed to turn down clients? Because I do such targeted biz dev, we we will contact companies that we personally want to work with. But mm-hmm. I will say in the beginning, there were some companies that were a lot smaller that, you know, I just, just kind of like you said, you just felt the need to want to rack up a, a, a client list, you know, and you just are ready to go and wanting to work with someone. It really motivated me to really take a look and, and really go deep into the type of clients that we want. So for example, really, really early stage companies can have a really, really hard time hiring because like I said, employer branding is so, so important. And so usually what they'll have is maybe like mission, but they won't really have salary or they won't really have right. like the employer branding or, or the company of candidates either knowing about the company or being able to search the company really quickly and seeing the, the, the platform that the company is building and seeing how strong it is. So it's really, really hard to recruit for those for those stages. I mean, it is possible, but it's just really hard. And then mm-hmm. at the same time, for these early stage companies, they really want to, um, which I totally understand, you know, when you're having your probably eighth, ninth or 10th engineer and being on the founding team, you really want a strong engineer because that's, you know, your platform, that's your baby. You don't want anybody that, you know, it could potentially maybe cause problems or they, they really want somebody there they can trust. And so it's hard, you know, but they might not be able to afford that. Yes, they may, may <laughs> they either might not be able to afford it or they also cannot interview fast enough in order to, you know, just get the offer in their hands mm. because I understand they really want to have them speak to the entire team and have them have an in-depth process because like I said, it's such a very much an important role, but these candidates, you know, their companies are moving and startups are moving so fast right now where I'll speak to a candidate you know, one day and he'll, and he or she, or they'll probably say like, Oh, you know, I'm passively looking like I'm not really actively looking. And maybe a week and a half to two weeks later, 
they're like, oh, I actually have two offers in hand. So it, it goes really, really right. fast, you know, versus, you know, earlier stage, they it can just go a little bit slower because they're just really taking the time to go more in depth and see if this person, if this prospective candidate is the right fit, which is totally understandable. But it was just really hard for us as contingent you know, trying yeah. to find that that candidate, you know, that perfect candidate for for them, as well as trying to, you know, keep them keep candidates warm and keep them interested when some companies just have like mission. So now in the future, I've just really like, like I said, like techie staffing, we specialize from series B and above. And I really just make sure during business development exploratory chats that we are, I'm really going in depth and making sure I understand, you know, the roles that they're prioritizing, their time to hire. So if, you know, if they have a long, long interview process and a really, really low salary or in terms of the competitive market, then I may not be as interested in that mm -hmm. startup as another startup as opposed to another startup whose interview process timeline could be about a week and a half to two weeks and has a pretty, doesn't have to be like absolutely amazingly competitive base salary, but just, you know, a fairly competitive salary with um, a great timeline for time to hire. So that's been my right. way of just condensing or just being a little bit more pickier in terms of clients in the future. I mean, were there any certain clients for you that, you know, where it's just where you started working with them and you were like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have like that's now caused you to be a little bit more pickier for clients in the future? <laughs> Part of it was the the kind of work. So mm. we really wanted to be writing software, but just starting out, I also had a background in sort of IT support. And so when I was, you know, reaching out particularly to past clients and they might say, you built our website, now can you help us with purchasing a computer or setting up a computer network in our office? I felt compelled to say yes, because we needed, I felt like we needed all the work we could get. But by doing that work, that wasn't really what we wanted to be doing. We were not only less happy in our work, but it was taking time and attention away from the work that we really wanted to be doing. The other was values and practices, which took a little bit longer to form a, a real understanding of what our values were and the practices that we believe in. But now there's pretty clear list of the kinds of companies that you know, we, what we say at ThoughtBot is that we want to work on things that deserve to exist in the world. And so there's a whole bunch of sort of industries that they might not even be actively doing harm in the world, but there are ones that we wouldn't work in. But even if like it's just not a positive contribution to the world, it's probably not going to be something that we're excited to work on. That's been an exciting trend, actually, to, to speak with engineers about. I've started mm -hmm. seeing that trend where engineers are saying like, you know, I don't want to create anything evil or, or I just want to do good. And and that's been a really awesome selling point for some teams. You know, um, it definitely is a, a cherry on top where engineers are really looking for social impact. And the cool part is, you know, they have so many opportunities that are coming towards them that they can really pick and choose, you know, which one. So yeah. that's, you know, to, to find people who are really looking for social good and, and just really mission driven products is, is amazing to see. And, and I'm really happy the work I'm actually working um, with the data science team, like for AI ethics. And that's been really interesting, you know, hearing some people talk about their projects and and hearing about how data can really not only just 
um, strengthen bias, but also Mm -hmm. can just really produce results that can harm certain groups of people, which is so interesting. And it could be something so, so small that I haven't even noticed at all, but like, we've had several episodes about that. Mm. And it's amazing, you know, because it it really is just a huge difference with something so small. And, you know, as a woman of color, I'm I'm always aware of like what's going on in terms of like just ethical practices or just fairness and and, Mm -hmm. and seeing bias. But in terms of data, like seeing something so, so small can affect just a whole group is uh, underrepresented people is just amazing to see. But it's also amazing that people or data scientists are now aware of it and now they're changing it so that, you know, it no longer, at least they'll be able to alleviate that bias. Yeah. I want to ask a little bit more about that. And then I want to talk about some market trends. But if you're if you're comfortable, I, I'm curious. You know, you already mentioned you were just out of college when you're getting started, so there was skepticism around your lack of you know track record in recruiting. And you've mentioned that you are a woman of color, and so I think as engineers, as people in the market, we probably have this image in our head of what a typical recruiter looks like, sort of in terms of attitude and values and demographics. <laughs> And you don't fit that mold <laughs> in almost any way, basically. Is this actually a positive for you now? Or does it is it actually still hard? Are there companies that are actively seeking out to work with you because they want that different approach? Or are you still facing that skepticism? I'm still facing that skepticism. Uh, I actually created Techie Staffing around the time of summer 2020, where Black Lives Matter, where George Floyd happened. And it was really interesting because I was entering the corporate workplace. I went to a really wealthy private school in Los Angeles and, you know, I went to University of Virginia. So I survived two PWIs, which means predominantly white institutions. So, you know, I thought I had not seen it all, but I thought Mm -hmm. I had maybe experienced those experiences of of bias, you know, and, and understood it a little bit more. But when I went in the corporate workplace and, and the diversity inclusion campaigns were happening, it was just really confusing because it's hard, you know, specifically for engineering and, and products specifically, because it's so new that mm-hmm. it is like there is really a really, really hard time to find diverse talent. That's why I, I honestly believe that it's just really trying to educate underrepresented uh, communities to understanding all of the different diverse like types of roles and opportunities that you can encounter in the tech industry. So for example, like UX, UX design, UX research, um, data science, machine learning, all of that. So I think I was more contacted or maybe when I did was engaged in business development, companies were looking for me to do diversity which hmm. I think it kind of, I and I am a, such a huge proponent for diversity, but it also kind of dropped, it had my heart drop a little bit because mm-hmm. I just felt like people were contacting me because of who I am instead of, you know, just thinking like, if it was just any other agency, would I be contacted specifically for that? But mm-hmm. I, I was never just, it was more just for exclusive searches, which 
can be very, very hard for products and engineering. I think in diversity inclusion, we really need to focus on different departments and the different problems that underrepresented communities encounter with different departments. So it, it was just really hard. But in terms of like companies contacting me because I am a woman of color, like owning an agency, no, that didn't really, and it's never really helped. You know, I do, I do wear it as a badge of honor because, you know, like I said, I started out with nothing. So mm -hmm. to start out with nothing and have have to fight through everything to to sit at the table and and create something is amazing you know but it no my background didn't really help me it was really just me just constantly contacting yeah. people and I was prepared for this because in my entrepreneurship minor they said you know you're going to encounter a lot of no's and so I I did I encountered so many no's but eventually I was able to turn those no's into yeses. So now that I've turned some of those no's into yeses and I'm still encountering no's, you know, but I'm still keep going and still building and building. And now I do feel a sense of pride now, two years later where it is like, wow, like I really did have to fight through to, to, to make it. And that's where I, I hold just a huge sense of pride, but no, it was not my background that really, it, my, the only thing that my background was maybe appealing was thinking like, oh, okay, like, I think you can do diversity and inclusion, mm -hmm. which I don't want to be profiled in that way. But, right. you know, I just want to be a, a founder who happens to be a black woman instead of a black woman founder. And yeah. so I don't, I don't want to be contacted to feel like, you know, my race is a part of it. And that was interesting in the corporate workplace, especially when I was trying to navigate different, you know, how to speak, how to build rapport, how to navigate corporate workplace conversations. And that's very hard to do with diversity and inclusion because you're fighting with like, that's racism. Like that's something, and, and, and misogyny, that's something really deep rooted and has been here for years and years. So it's, it's a really heavy, heavy topic. And that's not some, a really, really heavy topic that you really want to bring in, or a lot of people don't really want to bring into the workplace. So that was just hard to encounter. But overall, you know, I so, so support diversity and inclusion. And, and the cool part is because I have this awareness and I know that diverse teams are better teams. Whenever I'm sourcing or whenever our crew is sourcing, I'm just making sure that they have that in the front of their mind and they're just trying to diversify their candidate pipeline yeah. as much as possible. I mean, well, taking it from the candidate side of things, you know, I'm, I unfortunately am of the belief that the hiring process is, is really ripe for extreme, subtle, unconscious biases or, or conscious ones even to impact, have an impact on the hiring process. So how have you navigated that on the candidate side? I'm sure you don't want to say anything negative about any of your clients. It's not about you know, oh, this company is racist. But I, th I think, do you sort of agree with the premise that the hiring process at a lot of companies is ripe for uh, some bias to creep in? Of course. I mean, all of the time. And the part that's so, I would say, scary about it is that it's something that's, bias is something that you feel. It's not really tangible. You can't right. really like grab it or it's not really, I mean, it can be in writing and in people and there has <laughs> been stuff and writing, but it's very, it's, it's very much kind of, yeah, it's non-tangible. So it's hard to really call it out specifically mm -hmm. of like, Hmm, you know, this, 
this candidate, like, I don't know, like, why do all of a sudden nice to haves become must haves? You know, why is right. there's just a shift or, you know, like I said, there's different problems with different departments, but there's also different problems in terms of leveling systems. So like leadership roles versus uh, individual contributor roles, you know, there can be a little bit more, you know, maybe there's a little bit more openness on the IC side, but with leadership, it can get a little interesting sometimes. So, but the hard part is it's, it's not really tangible. So I really have to give it to diversity and like DEI specialists because I, to have to navigate those conversations and really articulate a non-tangible thing is so, so complicated. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you can, there are, tangible things you can do, like, you know, having a diverse panel, but what happens if you, you know, what happens if the company doesn't even have the numbers of the, for diversity to have that diverse panel. So in the first place, so it, it can get really complicated in terms of, you know, trying to navigate the bias within the interview process. And we just, we do try to do our best there, you know, of just trying to, provide on our side, because that's all we can do, you know, it's really Mm -hmm. up to the companies in terms of their interview processes and how they are going to change it or or maintain some stages. But for us, we're just trying to just submit diverse talent and, and really just try to provide that white glove service for them and hope that that bias doesn't seep in. But like I said, it's such a heavy topic. And you know that and like I said, with corporate workplace politics, it can be so fragile and, and really interesting. So it, it's just hard to really just take that and, and, and understand where it comes from or being able to even verbalize it. So that, that's where it gets really interesting. And, and so I do hope that in the future, you know, interview processes are changed where they are, there is able to be a diverse panel or there is a way to really be able to understand that bias. Because like I said, it's very complicated. And we don't want to claim that any company is like specifically racist, but it's just understanding bias and maybe why right. maybe there's a difference for one candidate versus another candidate, which can be really interesting. Right. I mean, I think the first part is is recognizing that everybody has biases and it could be mm-hmm. it could be anything. Like it could be well, what happens when you come across a resume of someone that went to the same school that you did? What happens to that resume then? And does that subtly influence how you review that resume? It has nothing to do with their race or the color of their skin or, or anything. It's just, you know, so those biases can creep in and you need to decide as a company, is this something that actually matters to success is at the company? Is this something that we want to be using when we make hiring decisions about who gets that first interview or who continues on in the interview process? For us, we've decided it's not. So we have a completely anonymous screening process where we don't even show the names of schools. We don't show the names of the companies that you worked at previously. We only show the positions that you held at those companies um, because we've decided that whether you have a degree or not doesn't matter. And the companies that you worked at previously don't matter. It's your, it's what you were actually able to do with that experience. Oh yeah. I think that's actually amazing. And that that's a really great way of doing it. I always just try to tell hiring managers also to just open that candidate pipeline as much as possible, because the number one way to really understand someone isn't really through like just a piece of paper. I mean, unless yes, we want to make sure that resume 
is at least a bit aligned and they have, you know, if it's an engineering role, for example, the right tech stack or maybe the right technologies or the right kind of projects that they've worked on. But other than that, you know, you'll be so amazed what can happen when people just hop on a call with each other. You can really find just that hidden genius in people. So usually when it comes to just diversity, it's like just hopping on a quick call with someone, anybody, you know, like you said, there's so many biases, but just being able to talk to them and, and see them as human being can really just surprise you and, and, and surprise everybody. So really just, I always say, just find that hidden genius through engaging with someone. Yeah. Yeah. So you've mentioned time to hire is a really important thing. Moving quickly in today's market when you, you know, candidates have a lot of opportunity. What are some other ways, either trends, uh, things that are happening in the market or things that you see changing? Well, I mean, I'm sure as you know, that there's been a huge amount of layoffs that have happened. Like recently, about 17,000 workers were laid off um, from more than 70 tech startups globally, you know, in May, and that's been about a 350% jump from April. So I will say for it's just, you know, due to inflation, as well as just like the slowing of demand startups right now are just really trying to just cut corners and just really trying to um, uh, just hone in on their runway, you know, and and their burn rate. So are the candidates that are being laid off finding new work quickly? You know, I'm not sure because it depends like, you know, on the departments Like we're working with engineering mostly and, and product. So it's really funny, it's, you know, because as we are tracking the, the layoffs, you know, we will contact candidates to see if they're interested in another opportunity. Because fortunately for our client list, we haven't had anyone have like a massive amount of layoffs, which has been, uh, we're so happy about that, um, fortunately. Uh, but we've actually contacted, you know, engineers and it's amazing how strong, you know, the engineering department is. It does not seem like they really are. That's not a department that never really seems like where there's like significant layoffs because, you know, they mm-hmm. just have to uphold that platform. So, yeah, so it still is in terms of engineering, like surprising with all these layoffs, it still is just very much uh, competitive because even the people who have or the companies that have encountered a large amount of layoffs, those engineers are still wanting to stay or, or don't. There are some that may feel the need to depart at a certain point, but for the most part, they are staying. Mm-hmm. But I, in terms of like how quickly, I'm not con- entirely sure in terms of the, for people that are laid off, how quickly they are being hired. Cause this is also within early stage startup, but um, or not yet yeah, early stage. And, you know, they also have fortune 500s too, but yeah, I'm not sure about that part, but there's still, you know, in terms of engineering specifically, like the jobs are still just growing, you know, like I know the projected growth rate for software engineers is like 22% and data scientists is 22% as well, as well as web developers is 13%. So, you know, fortunately for us as an, as who, as an agency who primarily specializes in engineering, there hasn't been a, a huge difference. But mm-hmm. uh, like I said, just with specifically with engineering, that time to hire is still super important because, yep. you know, co- these candidates are still encountering offers quickly. And, and it's just a way to be competitive because if you're just the first offer, you know, you're the first person there, fi- like you're the first offer in their face instead of, let's say they have two offers from another company and you're like the, uh, the last offer. It, it just is such a, a big difference there. Yeah. 
Are you seeing a lot of remote positions versus in-person positions? Yes, remote is still going strong. I have seen that, you know, now there is a little bit of a trend of some startups or companies where as I'm, you know, because I, I research companies every day, I'll go on Crunchbase, Morning Brew, Venture Beat, TechCrunch, Built-in, I'll go on all of the websites and I'm seeing who got a fresh new round of funding or who's, you know, highly growing or any new products that companies are offering. You're seeing some companies say that they're hiring hybrid or in-person? I am seeing that on startups and companies' career pages, you know, as like once they've acquired a new round of funding or they're scaling, that on the job boards, you'll start seeing only the headquarters, you know, so just San Francisco or just maybe Boston instead of remote. So it's been a little bit more of a quiet transition because I remember when bigger companies were like high or were announcing it like, oh, we're going to transition in the office in February of 2022 or December of 2021, you know, then there would all of a sudden be a mass exodus of people who were seeking remote opportunities. But I do still feel that remote is still going strong, especially for high growth startups. You know, they, yeah, it's still going strong. There is the option of hybrid, but it's like with these engineers that do have these choices, like that 100% remote is really becoming a great selling point. Or, I mean, I don't even know if it's a really a selling point, but just standard now, you know, it's yeah. like, so, so that's what you're hearing from candidates. Candidates want that. Definitely candidates want, there's been plenty of candidates that we've interviewed where they've said, you know, I, for, in terms of their, cause we'll ask them what would be their motivation for considering other opportunities and potentially leaving. And they'll say our ex company is anticipating us to transition in the office and, we just, I just don't want to do that. You know, their, their commute may be an hour, you know, and, and that can be in uh, two, even maybe three hours out of your day where you're spending your morning driving and spending your evening driving. So people just prefer to be remote or, you know, people are located now in the Midwest, they're going back to their hometowns and, you know, where they're able to, instead of like these big metropolitan cities where now it's like really hard to afford a house. So they're going back home and, and being able to enjoy their family there. So definitely it is a standard and and people are really interested in in it. And for companies that are having employees transition back into the office, we've consistently heard that there's just a mass exodus of people leaving. Yeah. What have you seen compensation do over the last year plus? I would say for compensation, it hasn't, I mean... In my personal opinion, when it was super competitive, I mean, it was definitely increasing. Mm-hmm. Now I feel like, you know, we're working with like a Fortune 500 company. So compensation hasn't really been too, too much of a problem. Um, so, yeah, it hasn't been as competitive. But I, I, I do remember like when it was it was maybe around like Q1 and Q2 of 2021, where there was almost this great rehire and everybody was scaling and demand was soaring where the, where the salaries were just like, it just increased to like, we're, yeah, we're just consistently increasing where we were just so shocked at what some software engineers mm-hmm. were, were making, but now it seems to have potentially tamed a little bit. It's not as high as it probably used to be because I, I we were working with that Series B company and their and their salaries you know were pretty good pretty competitive but 
all of a sudden with the demand soaring and these engineers, it started even getting even more competitive. Then that's when like all of a sudden, you know, the first few placements were fine. And then all of a sudden each candidate, like I said, they would say they would, they were passively looking. And then the next week and this, this startup, they, their time to hire was actually really great. But even with this competitive market, it was still hard because like I said, a week later they would already have an offer and their salary would probably increase like, 20, 30,000 from their initial target base that they were seeking to mm-hmm. now what they were being hired from other companies. So it would just, it would, it would definitely increase, but um, I haven't seen that recently as much. Yeah. Yeah. I think also the, the, the trend to remote changed compensation too, because it, it leveled it out there. You know, there were people who, if you were trying to find a job in Kansas and you were going in an office, that market is very different than the US-wide hiring market. But now candidates are on the US-wide hiring market. And I think that that brought up the lower end of salaries. Oh, yes. I mean, they, now, like, because at first, you know, sort of was like, okay, we can look for, it was 100% remote, which was great. And so they were like, we can look for people in the Midwest. But during that time when you know companies were paying San Francisco and New York salaries and they were offering those salaries to people who were located in Kansas and Iowa so you would have you know engineers who were deep deep in the midwest who were you know asking mm-hmm. for it in terms of target for those uh, metropolitan city salary budgets and they would get it you know which i think is great as well you know it's just they are doing the same work as someone who is, you know, located in San Francisco and New York, but maybe with like less overhead, of course, but it definitely was a little bit more of a challenge. And you can, you can no longer assume that somebody located in the Midwest that may have lower salary bands aren't at those metropolitan city uh, salary budgets now. Yeah. Anna, thanks so much for stopping by and sharing with us. I I really am impressed by what you've accomplished so far, and I'm excited about what you're going to be able to do in the future. Thank you. Thank you so much again for inviting me at a great time, you know, speaking with you. And it was so interesting hearing, you know, about your time, like being a a consultancy, you know, because I know it's like being external vendors. It's really interesting interacting with clients when you're not internal. So Mm -hmm. that was really interesting hearing about the difference of, of clients that you're encountering, like at first versus now. Yeah. If folks want to get in touch with techie staffing or, you know, get in touch with you, where are the best places for them to do that? So in terms of contacting me, I'll say the best way would be either our website. So www.techiestaffing.com. Or you can contact me on LinkedIn. You know, my name is Anna Spearman, A-N-N-A-S-P-E-A-R-M-A-N. You know, I'm always active on LinkedIn. So if you're seeking a new opportunity, you know, on the candidate side or either needing help in engaging techie staffing as a scaling company to fill your engineering, design, UX, and product roles, you can contact me on LinkedIn as well as filling out the forms on the techie staffing website. And we also are on Twitter at, um, at staffing techie. So, you know, definitely contact us and we'd be happy to hear from you. Wonderful. You can subscribe to the show and find notes and a complete transcript for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. 
And you can find me on Twitter at CPytel. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Mandy Moore. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time. This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. ThoughtBot is your expert design and development partner. Let's make your product and team a success.